there was a lot of movement in the ACC in terms of quarterbacks last year, but one team will be bringing back their end-of-the-year starter, and that's Boston College, Emmett Moorhead. On today's show, we're going to look at power rankings in the conference. Where does Emmett Moorhead fall? How can he get higher? How can he get lower? We'll have Mitch join us to talk all about it on today's show. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. This is Locked On BC. I'm your host, AJ Black. Quarterback talk today. We're going to look at Emmett Moorhead. And I wanted to bring aboard Mitch Wolf, staff writer at Eagle Insider, part of 247, to talk about his quarterback rankings. Mitch, you ready to do this today? Yeah. I, as I was walking my dog this afternoon, I, I don't even know why, but I kind of just thought about how would I rank the AC quarterbacks? I think your discussion of Athlon and their, you know, all AC preseason teams kind of put the bug in my head about thinking about that because um, I that naturally led me to think, okay, so where would Emmett Moorhead rank? So then I went down the rankings and put everybody in an order to kind of see where BC stands and uh, kind of amongst the rest of the conference. So I'm going to have Mitch go fast through this. It's not going to be a whole episode of Mitch ranking guys because I don't know, that might get a little boring. We're going to get into what his rankings are and then look at Moorhead and how he could go higher or lower on it. Mitch, start start at the bottom. Okay, so 14 is Tony Musket, which, first of all, fire name alert. Uh, and he is the I, – I expect him to be the starting quarterback for Virginia this year. He's transferring up from FCS Monmouth, where he's actually had some pretty good seasons, but obviously, uh, you know, transferring up from FCS, that's going to be concerning for me. Uh, and as we saw last year, Virginia does not <clears> – <throat> excuse me, have a ton of talent around him. Uh, next would be Grant Wells, who started Virginia Tech for most of last season. Uh, I liked him a lot out of Marshall a few years ago, but he has kind of regressed. And I think it was clear that jumping up a level was not the best for him, but I still think he'll be the main starter for the Hokies. Uh, next is Mitch Griffiths, who I believe will be the starter for Wake, Wake Forest. Forest this year. He uh, was the starter in relief of Sam Hartman earlier in the year. Uh, undersized player has played a little bit here and there, but uh, you know, that Wake offense almost runs itself. So I'm not exactly sure what to think of him. Next at 11 is Jack Plummer, who is transferring in to be Louisville's starting quarterback this year. He has been around the block for a while. I think he started his career at Purdue, and then he moved on to uh, Cal for a year or two, and then now he's back at Louisville. He's reuniting with his previous coach, Jeff Brom. Uh, not a not a very good career, honestly, from him um, as a passer, so I, I don't hold him in very high regard. Um, you know, if you're, if you can't hold it onto a job at Purdue and Cal, I just don't think you're that good of a quarterback. <clears throat> uh, the next will be Emmett Moorhead at 10. Uh, we'll get into him later. So I'll just skip past that nine is Haynes King at Georgia tech, uh, was supposed to be the guy at Texas A&M, but lost that job, had some injuries, kind of struggled against better competition, but c- kind of like Moorhead, you know, you've seen flashes, but you want to see him just play a little more to see exactly what he is at eight is Garrett Schrader, who is at Syracuse, who the offense will be kind of on his shoulders now with Sean Tucker off the NFL. Uh, He's a good running threat. He's kind of inconsistent as a passer. So that's why he's right in the middle of the road. And on that note, uh, next is Phil Dracovic, who again, obviously very inconsistent player as BC fans well know, uh, but probably has a bit more just natural passing ability than Schrader. Uh, Next at six is Tyler Van Dyke, who, had all the hype in the world going into last season, but 
really uh, fail to capitalize on that. So he's, I can't really rank him any higher. Uh, next would be Cade Klubnik from Clemson, who kind of took over the starting job as the year went on for Clemson. Uh, had a pretty solid performances in the conference championship and, and the bowl game uh, against Tennessee. So, and he's a very high star recruit. So he'll be taking over GJ Uyangalale this year. Four is Brennan Armstrong transferring from Virginia to NC state had an abysmal year last year, but was awesome in 2021 and 2020. So you kind of hope he can get back that as he's reuniting with offensive coordinator, Robert and I three is Riley Leonard out of Duke who had a really good game against BC last year. Uh, his young player, he should keep ascending. Two is Jordan Travis from Florida State. Again, torched BC last year. And he's probably going to torch him again this year. And number one is Drake May from UNC, who a lot of people are kind of putting up there as a possible number one overall pick and competing for that spot with Caleb Williams at USC. So long and short of it, Emmett Moorhead, I rank as 10th out of 14 projected starting quarterbacks in the ACC. I think if you wanted to throw Sam Hartman in there at Notre Dame, I think he would probably be in the top five, maybe in top three. So that would knock Moorhead down another spot. So long and short of it is that Moorhead is in a bottom third quarterback in the ACC at this point in his career, which again, is not meant to be any shade towards him. It's just this league has a lot of veteran guys that we, you know, kind of know more about. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, Moorhead has had flashes, but some of them have been good as we saw in the Duke and at times the NC state game. And some have been bad as we saw in Syracuse game two years ago and it, against Notre Dame where he was really bad. So I got a question for you, and I'm going to get off of Moorhead for a second. Why Drake May over Jordan Travis? I just, I think May is, he's obviously not the athlete that Travis is. And um, I I just think, you know, even though Travis, I'll say this, I'll say this about Travis. Travis has taken huge strides as a player. Um, You know, he was kind of just this, you know, knockoff Lamar Jackson, Malik Cunningham kind of player that would just run. And that's pretty much all I could do. But last year, I mean, he was awesome as a passer. Uh, he, he has even more weapons this year coming back. They transferred in Jaheim Bell at tight end from South Carolina and just recently Keon Coleman from Michigan state. So they're going to have, they're gonna have dudes, but I just think that may has more, I just had more natural talent as a thrower. You know, Travis has had to work at it. He's, and he's gotten really good at it, but may is just has all the tools, um, and, he, and he's not a bad runner. He's just not going to do it as much. But with May, it'll be interesting because he is losing his offensive coordinator. Uh, I believe it was Phil Longo who went up to Wisconsin. So it'll be interesting to see how he transitions into a new offense. All right. In a moment, Mitch is going to talk about Emmett Moorhead, his 10th ranked quarterback. How high can he get in this in his power rankings by the like what's his ceiling and what's his what's his floor? We'll get into all of that in just a moment. But if you've been listening to this podcast the last couple of weeks, you've been hearing me crow about bird dogs. They are f- comfortable, well-fitting shorts that are multi-purposes that you could use anywhere, whether it's going to a barbecue for Memorial Day weekend, if you're going to go fishing, if you're going to go hiking, they, they, they do everything. They're perfect. I love them. They give me the freedom to wear one pair of shorts on the golf course to a meeting or hanging out with friends. I mean, they're, they're there. They're stretching fabrics that make my legs look great and they're comfier than my other shorts or pants. I've, I was, I said uh, this year I've been looking for a new, new pair um, and, and they're working great. And I love that they, you know, as someone who's starting to run more, I'm losing a little bit more weight. 
it's it's adjusting to me. It's perfect. Bird Dogs, you got to check it out. So go to birddogs.com slash college. And when you enter promo code college, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Again, go to birddogs.com slash college, And when you enter promo code college, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This is Locked On BC. I'm your host, AJ Black. I want to shout out everyone who's become an everydayer here at Locked On BC. If you listen to this podcast every day, if you're like Peter Caruso in our comment section and, Mar- uh, and the glorious Marty Party and Drew Adams, I-, I want to thank each and every one of you. And if you are not and you want to get the best BC coverage, hit that subscribe button on YouTube or like us. Give us a five-star review on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. It does help tremendously. And I hope you hang on because we're going to have some great – we're going to have a great month of June because it's we're getting a recruiting season. No RE in there. Recruiting. We're recruiting. And BC's got a ton of guys coming on campus. I'm going to have all the breakdowns if there's commitments – all the news of like top fives, all that good stuff. You're going to get it all. And I'll explain why it's important on those shows. But for today, we are talking about quarterbacks and we're looking at Emmett Moorhead. Emmett Moorhead is heading into his first season as the presumed starter for the Eagles. And Mitch put him at number 10. And so I want to give Mitch a chance to talk about what his ceiling could be. And I, you know, obviously, I, I'm going to guess you're not going to say he's going to get above Jordan Travis and Drake May because they're the two of the best in the country. But yeah, where right. where could he land? Go ahead, I'll let you go. Take the mic. Mate. Yeah, it's in terms of ceiling, in terms of a number, I would probably say somewhere around like four or five. I think, you know, I think Leonard. So obviously, May and Travis will still be there. I think Leonard has a chance to take another step forward. Um, I mean, it's a second year as a starter, kind of like Moorhead. Um, I'm not. Sh- I, I don't know much about Duke's roster off the top of my head. I think they're bringing back Jalen Calhoun, who was one of their better receivers. So yeah, he's got yeah. some. Okay, he's got some targets. Uh, Brandon Armstrong. You know, if he can. You know, last year I'm kind of throwing out because you know everything that could go wrong did go wrong for Virginia in more in a lot of ways. Um, so I'm kind of thinking, okay, get him out of that situation, get him some talent, get him back with an office quarter he's comfortable with. So, you know, maybe he doesn't recapture the best form, but I still think he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. But once you get to that fifth and down, like I, I'm even kind of rethinking where I have club Nick based on my logic of not really knowing much about him yet, but you got like, you don't know much about club Nick Dyke fan Dyke. You could kind of go either way. Dracovic, you go either way. Schrader's ceiling, I think is limited. Um, and then again, Haynes King is kind of in the same boat as Moorhead where they've kind of started for a year, but we don't, we just don't really know yet. Um, but in terms of his ceiling, in terms of like what actually goes right for Moorhead. Um, so you hope that he still has the deep ball accuracy, the ability to threaten defenses vertically with his arm. Uh, you hope that he can still use that arm to fit balls into tight windows over the middle of the field. 
but you also want to see him take some big steps forward mentally in terms of his mental processing and his play speed and as, as a quarterback in the ACC. And I've talked about this a lot because I think, you know, as I've watched Moorhead kind of from his one start in 2021 to his few starts the end of 2022, it was clear that at times he just wasn't going fast enough. And it's even vacillated within games where, you know, at times the NC State game, he was firing in all cylinders and then other times he wasn't. Uh, you know, the Duke game was really good. The Notre Dame game was really bad. Syracuse was kind of a middle ground between the two. So you hope that he kind of, everything kind of clicks for him. You hope that, and again, this is the ceiling where kind of everything goes right, where everything clicks for him. The offense is really tailored to his strengths and what he likes to do. And, you know, he puts it all together. Cause I mean, the good thing about Moorhead is that he, I think he needs to clean up the fumbles, but that's kind of just an experience thing, but he's not really like throwing a ton of interceptions that are like either bad decisions or just wildly inaccurate throws. Um, there's a, there's a few in there, obviously, but I think some of those were just him trying to make plays. And I think this year where he doesn't feel like he has to be the hero for the offense, he might not have as many of those overly aggressive throws and mistakes. So you hope that, you know, he's also flashed some good ability in the quick game. So you hope that he's just kind of keeping this offense on track. And, you know, I'm trying to think of kind of numbers in terms of how we want to see this. I think you want to see, you know, around 30 touchdowns. Maybe that's like the, the ceiling of it. And you probably want to see less than or fewer than 10 interceptions. Um, those are kind of the, just the raw numbers that I can think of off the top of my head where I would want it. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking at the comments. I mean, who emerges as Moorhead's go to receiver? I mean, it's got to be Ryan O'Keefe, <clears throat> um, just because I think he's going to fill that Zay Flowers role. I think we've already seen him develop or didn't display some really good chemistry with Joseph Griffin. So you've got two very different types of receivers, which is good to see. Uh, you hope that he he's obviously shown very very comfortable, very willing to dump the ball down to the running back out of the backfield, which is good. And don't and, uh, don't forget Dino Tomlin. He's he's yeah even yeah yeah he's, yeah good good chemistry with him as well. Um, yep. And then you know you hope hopefully George Takis can stay healthy so he has that reliable target as well. Um, so long term, like I think you want to see Morehead take this big step forward where he just really takes command of the offense where he is operating at full efficiency at the height of his powers where you know, he is really just, I don't want to say unstoppable, but it's like, he's just, all right, I know what I'm doing. I know what the defense is doing. I know how to attack it. I'm making the right decision. I can't um, wait. And honestly, I think the th- part I'm more excited about, and I talked about it on yesterday's episode is it kind of alluded to it is I want to see what he's going to look like with a running game with him because mm-hmm. last year he had nothing and he had to do everything himself. As you kind of said, what is it going to be like when the, sh- when the load isn't all on Emmett Moorhead? to be able to, you know, elude getting sacked every play, pass every play, make pinpoint passes every single down. And when that when that load is taken off of him and pushed more onto those running backs, I feel like that can only benefit Moorhead. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the the physical aspect of it is obviously huge where he's just not getting beaten every play. Like you think about like uh, Derek Carr, no, yep. David Carr, back when he got drafted by the Texans when they were an expansion franchise and he just got the living daylights beat out of him. And that really just ruined his entire career because every time he, he dropped back, he was just, he got trigger, trigger happy. He was getting hit. He had to pick the ball away. And that's the other aspect of it is, you know, you think about Moorhead last year where he had to be aware of the fast rush so much and had to, you know, take all the offense all onto himself. It's like when the running game is, you know, cooking or not even cooking, just, just it's when it's just fine. You'd be like, all right, we're handing the ball off. You know, we can at least hope to get three or four yards, and then, you know, next play we can open up, we can have a fully open playbook as opposed to, all right, we're handing it off here. We're probably going to get nothing. Hopefully we don't lose yards. So I don't have to take an extended drop back where we have to throw vertically. Now you're just like, all right, 
it's you know instead of being second and eleven, it's second and six. And it's like okay, we've got options here. I can read the field. I can go through my progression. I'm not just having to heave it downfield to somebody and hope to God they catch it. Yeah, I, I I'm interested to see what this is going to be. And I and I think the the as someone that was it Drew that mentioned who's going to be uh, oh no Marty brought it up who's going to be the go to receiver. It's going to be interesting to see how the pass game changes without Zay there. Like you're going to have to be able to, to, and I think Ryan Griffin, I mean, yeah, Ryan Griffin, Ryan O'Keefe will be fine, but you, you know, you're moving on past a, a transcendent talent. Yeah. I, I think just more in terms of a role in that a lot of those kind of quick design throws, like the screens, the touch passes, that's all going to be Zay just because O'Keefe is just, I mean, Griffin is okay after the catch just because he's able to, you know, run through defenders and, you know, run through contact. But O'Keefe is just going to be much more dynamic in the open field in terms of creating yards after the catch that you're going to see him get a lot more of those uh, easy access and design throws. All right. In our final segment, we're going to switch to another quarterback. And I believe who has it, who had the question uh, Mark Falzone asks, what are the odds Castellanos truly challenges Moorhead for QB one? We'll talk about that all in segment number three. And I want to check that one out. This is Locked On BC, AJ Black. Thank you all who have listened every single day this week. We have the great part of the soft season is if you've missed an episode, most of the stuff, maybe the baseball stuff that I talk at the end, it is evergreen. You can listen to it anytime. You can, I'm talking just about games that are going to happen in three months. So go back, listen to some of the old episodes if you haven't checked them out yet. They're all in our archives. They're beautifully labeled. Hit those up. Make sure you get caught up. And the best part is these are episodes are about 20 minutes each. You got to get, you can go through, you know, on a car ride. If you're going away for the week, you can get through four or five episodes. I hope you guys check them out this weekend. So the big news this last month was the addition of Thomas Castellanos, a quarterback from UCF. BC finally gets a experienced backup quarterback. Well, sort of. Backup. I was going to say, I was going to say, hold up there. <laughs> um, uh, a quarterback that is backing up Moorhead that has played a little bit because <laughs> there was no one behind him otherwise. Mitch, let's talk about this. What are you? What are your thoughts on Castellanos? So, I've watched, I've watched the games that he played like more than ten snaps in because he played in five games, so he missed out on the red shirt. Um, and I think in one of them was an FCS game, and then three of them were or two of them were like he played like five or six snaps and I don't think he even, he like threw the ball once. So the only games that he played in where he actually had meaningful playing time was against Temple, who was awful last year and against Tulane the second time they played in the conference championship game. And that game was very strange because I, their starter, they, they pulled John Reese Plumley and I couldn't really figure out why. And they kind of just threw in Castellanos in the middle of a very big game on the road for a conference championship to a team that would eventually win the cotton bowl against USC. And I was just like, why are they doing this to this true freshman? Like I get it. He's talented, but this is crazy. Um, but with the thing with Castellanos is obviously he's smaller. He's listed at six foot. So he's probably not actually six foot. He's listed at 196, So he's hopefully 190. Um, he's decently built for a guy of his size, but you see that the running talent is absolutely insane. Like I think he'd probably be the best running quarterback piece he's had since Tyler Murphy, just because the speed is so sudden the change of direction is amazing. Um, and he has, you know, a decent build to be able to run through tackles. The throwing is obviously a little bit behind and UCF's offense does a good job of designing the offense where the quarterback doesn't need to do a lot. In there, there are not as many like 
true drop back, read the defense, read the whole field and make a difficult throw. It's like, here's a lot of touch passes, screens, RPOs, what have you. Um, but he does a really nice job of throwing on the run, which I think is good. And that was on the display against Temple. Against Tulane, it was a little more of a struggle because playing it's a much better team and a very tough situation for a guy like that. So I, it's, I don't want to throw it out, but there's some important context there. So I don't really know. In order for Castellanos to be really challenging Moorhead, like Moorhead must be really struggling this offseason. And I, I don't think that's what's happening. But like in order, if we get to a point where week one comes and Castellanos is a starter, I think that's more about Moorhead losing the job than Castellanos winning it, in my opinion. And again, I don't think this is going to happen. I'm just saying in this hypothetical world where it happens. Um, because just the way that they installed certain people to run this offense, thinking about guys like Rob Chitzinski, Steve Shimko, um, these are guys that are going to run like a more pro-style offense. And if Moorhead's just not, and I don't think it's going to be that dissimilar from what John McNulty was running last year. If, if Moorhead is not getting it, that's that's very concerning for me. So you're, I would think you would see kind of a big shift in the offense where I think part of the reason why Castellanos transferred here is similar to why Ryan O'Keefe transferred here was to operate a more pro-style, less spready, air raidish kind of offense. But because he's so young and experienced, you're going to copy over some concepts that he's comfortable with and can execute. Um, so in terms of like the ceiling of more of more of, or, or sorry, the floor of where Emmett Moorhead is in these rankings, I mean, if, he, if there becomes a world where he is essentially benched, like he is probably lower than 14th. Like that, mm -hmm. that is very concerning for me. And again, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Moorhead is going to be the starter. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think, I think they bring Castellanos because he is a very intriguing athlete. Um, I think it's kind of strange that they brought him in ostensibly promising him that he wouldn't redshirt because last year you would hope he would redshirt, but he didn't because of those circumstances. And I think you essentially don't want Moorhead to be like, okay, you don't want Moorhead to be just comfortable because he knows like, okay, like Matthew Reeve isn't, isn't taking my job. Jacoby Robbins is not taking my job and Peter Delaportis is gone. So I'm good to coast. And I'm not saying Moorhead's lazy. I'm just saying that that's what you want. you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that can creep in. And yeah. also, like you said, like BC has had a lot of these issues with keeping quarterbacks healthy. Matthew Reeve has not taken neither. None of these guys in the roster have taken snaps against college against a real college football opponent in a live game. And yep. even though Castellanos is only a true sophomore has only played in a handful of games and has only played in meaningful snaps in two of them. That's literally infinitely better than what Reeve and what Jacoby Robinson have done. So Mark Falzone asked a question about uh, Castellanos. That one I'm bringing up it says, okay, so Castellanos is more likely fighting for QB two. I don't think so. Like, yeah, he's not transferring here to yeah, say that it's it's kind of a semantics thing because I, th I think he is firmly QB two, and yep. his job essentially to kind of poke and prod at Moorhead kind of from behind, like, hey, like, don't get complacent. Like, you know, if you don't do your job, I'm going to take it kind of that, that kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Like he he he's not going to transfer here if he's being like, OK, you're coming in to be a backup because. Yeah, I think I think that was the, we that had was the reason Reece why he transferred because John, they kept they kept John Reese Plumley who is still playing baseball. So they're probably, so he was probably like, this is dumb. I'm going to go someplace where I can actually do something. Mm -hmm. Now just put on your uh, thinking cap here. Do you think they'll use him in some like gadgety type plays? Even if, if Moorhead's the starter, I would like them to. And ironically enough, I would like them to use him like Ole Miss did when John Reese Plumley was there because yep. they used him as a wide receiver when Matt Corral was a quarterback. And oh, really? I think that would be very fun. Yep. Granted, 
I think Castellanos transferred here so for the express purpose that that didn't happen. Um, but I mean, again, like Moorhead is not a bad athlete or a bad runner by any means. Like, again, he's, he's not a bad rap with BC fans for that. I don't think he's that bad either. Yeah. Like, I don't like, I mean, again, like a lot of the times he's not, you're not going to like design rushes for him. Like even like when they did that with Strakovic occasion, like he was, he's a very good athlete and that was good for him. I don't think Moorhead has that kind of ability, but he's not Matt Ryan. <laughs> no, no. Like he, he's not, uh, He's definitely a better athlete than Chase Redding. Um, So, yeah, like, you know, you can design some plays where, you know, maybe he keeps it on a read option kind of play, especially near the goal line, because because you can use his size where it's like, okay, like you can run over some defenders if we can get you in space against a corner or safety. Like you can just run through them. And there were plays when last year when the when the play broke down, he just had to scramble where he would get upfield. And just because of how big he is, he can cover a ton of ground really quickly. So I don't I think that the situations where you would want to use that gadgety type quarterback, you know, kind of along the goal line, it's like Moorhead is actually better suited for those situations, especially in short yardage because he has the size. Whereas Castellanos is, you know, he's shorter, he's smaller. He's, he's obviously faster and quicker. And like, that's why it'd be fun to get a package in there too. Maybe you like send him on a jet sweep or, I mean, again, put two quarterbacks in the backfield. I mean, back when Ohio state had, JT Barrett, Braxton Miller, and Cardell Jones. I wanted them to put all three quarterbacks on the field at the same time, but they were yep. cowards and didn't. So, <laughs> you know, I would like it to be, I would love, love to see some fun stuff with that, but I'm just not sure much that happens. Plus, because you bring in Castiano for the express purpose of being this better backup option than Moorhead, you probably don't want to risk him getting injured. And then you're kind of back square one. Right. Okay. Well, I'll have to wait to see what happens with that. Cause I know, I know the staff is really excited about him. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I totally understand. Um, and if you're following on, on YouTube, I have one last question for Mitch. So if you're not on YouTube, go to YouTube and find this episode, this picture of Stat Castellanos, what I know he's playing for UCF. What is this uniform? <laughs> okay. So I'm going to go, I'm gonna have to go find the tweet from Stephen Godfrey of uh, split zone duo. Um, so as you may or may not know, uh, UCF is in Orlando, Florida, which is where the um, space command uh, center is, or it's where Cape Canaveral is. So for some reason, um, UCF felt the need to co-opt uh, the space program into their uh, uniforms because they're like, oh, space is kind of near us. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll do that. So then we can... Uh, you know, get some, get a fun new uniform from Nike and do all this stuff. So that's why it's Navy blue and says space on it. And they've done multiple uh, uh, uniforms like this. Like they've had one with like, kind of like the stars in the background. Um, yeah. And they've had ones that like, look like um, uh, like astronaut uniforms and stuff like that. Okay, here we go. Oh, is this it? Okay. So this tweet from Stephen Godfrey. So the, the, the tweet was from a UCF, fan account that said UCF was the innovator with the space day theme. Purdue emulated it last year. Now Mississippi state. First of all, Purdue gets claimed to this because they have like every astronaut. So that's kind of why UCF fans were like salty people clap back at them. So Stephen Godfrey replies, I have found joy in the social constraints during COVID moorings of our previous life that are untouched by the strife of 2020, such as UCF fans claiming that a degree farm from Hilton night managers invented outer bleeping space. (laughs) So that's that. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, they're fun, but uh, yeah, Marty Parger said UCF is the organ of the East. That's very true in more ways than one. Yep. I just, I saw this picture. I was looking up. I only have a certain database for our podcast that we can use. And I was like, okay, this is definitely Thomas, Ca- Thomas Castellanos. 
why is he wearing a why space? Wearing I don't Na- why are they wearing navy blue <laughs> in space? I I don't know, and I, I don't watch enough AC, AAC football to know because I usually watch you know the Power Five, which they'll they'll be that this year. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that that's our conversation on quarterbacks. I hope you guys enjoyed that today. Um, we're I'm telling you, we're gonna have some really fun conversations this off season. Tony and- Tony, Tony Musket might be the best quarterback name since Stephen Buckshot Calvert from when Liberty first jumped into the FBS. For a quarterback, yeah, I yeah, mean, general exactly. general booty in terms of court. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I remember. I think Oklahoma for April Fools, they said he was moving to tight end. Which I don't know if Chris is still listening, but that was like right up his alley. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I hope you're listening. Yeah. So. Um, all right, Mitch, where can people find your work? You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf W O L F E on Twitter. Um, that's where I'm posting my BC stuff. That's where I post my Steeler stuff. If you're interested in that, I'm going to be having a cool article about George Pickens coming out there soon. Just putting the finishing touches on it, and then. Uh, over the next few days, we're going to be trying to work on uh, kind of the questions that BC still has to address uh, over the course of the summer because, you know, transfer portals kind of closed, but like, as AJ has said, they are uh, kicking the tires on transfer from Yale, but you know, there's obviously some, still some questions with this team that kind of need to be answered by the time we get into fall camp. So we'll probably be publishing something along those lines in the coming days. All right, Mitch. And you can follow me on Twitter at AJ black two, four, seven, become an Eagle insider. We're going to have tons of recruiting news. You can get in and get a monthly subscription for the price of a cup of coffee. It's well worth it. We're going to have tons of content. We have a ton up right now. If you want to know where the future BC is heading, what the staff is doing. And during the season, Mitch and I were giving, you know, insight information, inside information on everything. You want to j- definitely get that subscription right now. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more BC football. We'll get ready for that Clemson game. And uh, Drew Adams actually brings up something I'll talk about tomorrow, which is next time ACC announcement on foot football. I've talked about it a little bit, but I'll bring it up again uh, on tomorrow's episode. Thank you all who have listened live. We'll be back again tomorrow. Hope, hope to see you all there. Take care, everyone.